Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. Calling, destiny, and purpose can't be thwarted by all the bad stories. Because when God lays that mantle on you and he's laid it on this couple, and I love them. I love Pastor Jim and Angela. They are friends. We have laughed our heads off. We have worked our tails off. We have cried together. We've laughed together. And uh, the most exciting part of all that is we've built the kingdom together. It's a kingdom cause. It's not a personal cause. Uh, my name is Dave. Uh, I'm married to a lady named Christy. We're a blended family. Christy has five kids. I call them my chosen ones. They're not my step ones. They're my chosen ones. I just want to say to blended families in this room, whenever you marry somebody that had kids, you chose the kids. They didn't choose you. If you'll remember that point, 12 years later, your chosen kids will love you. And then the Lord gave us two together. Our daughter Kaylee, she's our daughter of mercy, and our son Bryce, he's nine years old. He's my son of obedience. Kaylee was conceived in a, moment, a season of sin in my life and Christy's life, and God didn't strike us dead. When I started going to Cornerstone, I'd cover up because I'd been in ministry before. God gave us a beautiful daughter, and every time I see her, I think about the mercy of God. February of 2010, I surrendered to come back into ministry and uh, thought I was done. And I told the Lord I would, but he'd have to make a way. And Christy got pregnant with Bryce. And Bryce was born, and I'd, I never thought I'd ever have a son. I have a son. I call him my son of obedience. Kayla reminds me of the mercy of God, and Bryce reminds me of the blessing of obedience. And uh, they can't be here tonight. Christy, uh, our, my truck, I got a truck, it broke down. And, they gave me this little can opener with, can opener with a motor in it uh, to drive down here. I went from a Sierra truck to a can opener, and I just whizzed down here. I was going underneath the belly of trucks. It was awesome. Underneath there, you know, to get here. Anyway, uh, I, I planted a church out of Cornerstone in Bowling Green, Kentucky. We were there seven years. We believe the Lord called us to Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas is the place you go to make sure you never go to hell. Because it is so hot there, you don't want to go. And anyway, but, but the Lord called us there. We went there to lead a nonprofit. And that nonprofit's called Project Houston Community Development Corporation. After getting there, then I, I got called back into ministry to help Pastor Don Norton and his church. And I say that because of this. One year ago to this point, there was a church named uh, Highway Tabernacle in Cleveland, Texas. And that church had just finished rebuilding from Hurricane Harvey. They had just finished. And Tropical Storm, Imelda came through. The pastor had worked by himself with just a few people that came through feverishly. Had it finished in Tropical Storm, Imelda came through and flooded the whole building again. One of our initiatives as a, a nonprofit is, is an initiative Christy and I have established called Restoring Harvey's Forgotten. There are 90,000 houses in Houston that have not been repaired from three years ago from Hurricane Harvey. 90,000. 
our organization repaired 200 houses with $800,000. The city of Houston has repaired 13 houses of $1.3 billion. So this storm flooded this man's church, and I just made an appeal on Facebook, and your pastor called me, and this church partnered with me. I went to this pastor. His name is Charles Stoker, one of the finest men in America, one of the finest pastors, feed thousands of people every weekend at that church. And I went to him, and I looked at what it was over, and I said, I'm going to do my best that by Christmas you're going to be back in this building. I put an appeal out on Facebook, and this church, Launch Point Church, sowed an offering into that initiative, and because of you, a church in Cleveland, Texas called Highway Tabernacle, talking about missions, I watched this man on Christmas Sunday last year open his church repaired and ready for the kingdom of God. And you were partners with us in that. I'm here tonight to say thank you. And uh, we have a, a campground where we try to take uh, inner city kids that have never seen anything but concrete where they can fish in a pond and swim in a pool and, and, uh, and hang out. So that's what we're doing there. Uh, I'm back here because we have one of our, our girls getting married up in Bowling Green. And, and so Pastor Jim invited me to be here. I believe in these folks and I believe in their leadership and ministry. I believe in this church. This church was not birthed out of a desire or a wish. This, this, this church was birthed out of a calling and a passion for the kingdom of God to do something in this city. And God ordained it and blessed it through authority that they had placed themselves under, which released it into the effectiveness of where it is. And so I, I commend that. And I'm, I'm grateful. So I'm glad to be here. I, I believe that the Lord has just given me a thought for this group tonight. Caleb. I want to ask you to be ready at the end of this message to the first song that you brought here that these folks don't know, but it goes right with this message. You'll understand, and we're going to respond to that at the end of this message. So as you were leading it, I was like, oh, man, this is the Lord done. Set us up again, baby. Y'all ready? I mean, on this trip. Now, I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost will set you up, do a drive-by on you, pop a cap on you. You won't know what hits you, and you'll be changed. I mean, bam, right there. You're like, I just came on Wednesday night, and all of a sudden, pfft, the Holy Ghost got me. Not that you fall out, but you, you, you are committed and you're taken to a new level because He has purpose and destiny for your life. So tonight I want to talk to you about the pursuit of redemption. The pursuit of redemption. Now before we go into our text, I just want to read two verses to you. Just to launch, to set just where we are. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. For we know that all things, COVID-19, listen to me, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Whenever you get distracted with Fox News, CNN, MS, NBC, or whatever else you listen to or listening to the people at the coffee shop, you're going to lose focus. I'm here to tell you tonight, all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called to His what? Purpose. Then Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, Caleb, listen to this, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand, we should walk in them. Based on those two verses, all things work together, and God has works for us to do that God prepared beforehand. Right now, going into tomorrow and tonight, God's already prepared. So with these two verses in mind, I want to launch on a journey with Joseph and Moses for a few minutes. Will you, 
Run with me tonight, and we're going we're gonna to look at this. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 24 and 25, Joseph said to his brothers, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. Then Joseph died and was buried in Egypt. Now, whenever this happens in Genesis chapter 50, it's under Pharaoh, and Joseph has risen to a place of leadership, and there is prosperity with the children of Israel. Joseph had prepared for seven years of plenty and prepared for the, for the famine, but God had blessed, and he's dying, and he says to them, not knowing that they were fixing to go into slavery. He says, God will visit you and bring you to the, out of this land to the land of which I... Now, why, it, Joseph is telling them that. Why would you want to leave when you're walking in the blessing, right? The man that you've been over you and all that. So anyway, then Joseph died, was buried. He said, now listen, when I die and y'all go to the promised land, don't you leave my bones in this, sit, in this place. Exodus chapter 3 is where I want us to walk through tonight. Exodus 3 is a chapter of redemption. Redemption means deliverance, rescue, deliverance from distresses or harms, restoring a value of something misused or lost, to offset the bad effect of, to make worthwhile. And you can go on and on with this word, redemption. 400 years earlier from this Exodus chapter 3, Joseph had been sold into slavery only to rise to the leader of the land of Pharaoh. You know that story? Joseph is one of my favorite stories. I'm like, man, it, um, he was arrogant when he was a kid, got thrown in the pit. They didn't kill him. They at least him, blah, blah, blah. He goes up, and everywhere he goes, he rises to a level of leadership, even in prison, then in Pharaoh. And he, 400 years earlier, Joseph had been sold into slavery, rise to the leader. Joseph gives a message to the children of Israel and his brothers, when God redeems you, and send you to the promised land, take my bones with you, God will surely visit you. And he made that statement. In Exodus chapter 3, we find the children of Israel are in slavery. They had prospered under Joseph's rule. The Pharaoh changed, and the new Pharaoh put them into bondage. In fact, the Bible says in, in Exodus 1 and 2, it says this new Pharaoh saw that the children of Israel were so massive and so great. He said, we can't let this happen. They will overrun us. And he puts them into bondage and in slavery. So in bondage and slavery, they've been waiting to hear someone say. So they move from prosperity under Pharaoh. I'm under Joseph. He dies. And years later, they find themselves in slavery and they're waiting to hear someone say, God will surely visit you. Now here's the reason why. In the children of Israel, in the way the Jewish custom was, they passed stories from their lineage. They passed stories down. They told stories. This is what's going to happen. So when they're in slavery, they remember and they're telling a story about when their forefathers were in prosperity, when Joseph was, a, it's not like it's the next day. You've got to read scripture. You can't read it that way. There's time that has passed. They find themselves in slavery and they're telling each other, there's going to be a day when God's going to visit us. There's going to be a day when a Redeemer comes and says that God's going to visit us. And in those seasons of slavery, they're 
toiling away and this Pharaoh even takes, you know, takes the sticks out of the bricks and makes it even harder for him and toilsome for him and beating them down. And yet in their stories, they're telling the stories of redemption of whenever Joseph was a leader and Joseph said that one day there would be one that would come and say, God will surely visit you. In that context, we go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 through 22. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the, talking to Moses, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Lebanites and, and the Jebusites. Lebanite. Lebanites are not in there. I just... Added two for y'all tonight. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of, our fa of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt into a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice. They will heed your voice. They're not heeding his voice because it's Moses' voice. They're heeding his voice because they remember that God said there would be a day when he would visit them. And the Lord of God has met us. And now, uh, then they will heed your voice and shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to them, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst, and after that he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you shall go not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Moses shows up to a bunch of people who don't even have sticks in their bricks, who are getting their tails kicked by a Pharaoh, and he shows up and he says, listen, God is going to deliver you and visit with you, and he's going to bring you out, and not only that, whenever you leave, you're going to take everything that the Egyptians have. You're just going to ask them, and they're going to give it to you. Now, can you imagine being a slave and hearing Moses show up after hear this? Listen, 
Redemption is a process, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute. But all of this outlines a process of redemption. Because you see, people that are in sin are in slavery, then they come to know the Lord, and then they get enslaved by religion instead of purpose. Everybody okay tonight? I'll be, listen, he told me what time I'll be done. Listen, so we get saved and we think because we're saved, we're fulfilling the purpose of God and we come and ride and sit on the pew because we want to go to heaven. Can I say to you that salvation is a decision that's already been paid for that determines eternal destiny? And thank God for salvation. The next step, though, is sanctification. And sanctification is the process by which you become more like Jesus for your testimony. Right? When you get saved, now listen to me. When you get saved and you say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died for my sin and you rose from the dead, that God raised you from the dead, and that the power that raised you from the dead now lives in me, and I accept you as the Lord and Savior of my life. You cannot be at that moment any more saved in heaven than you are right then. Right? And if you accept Jesus, you're saved. And can't nobody know. We can go to church and don't know if somebody's saved or not because they can look like they're saved but not have accepted Jesus and submitted to His Lordship. True? True or not? True or not, right? Sanctification is the process where your flesh begins to operate and live out what has been happened in your soul. Sanctification, for some folks, don't you hate those folks when they get saved, they just start living for the Lord, and habits drop off, and they go to church all the time, and then they just, they're like, I'll tell you what makes us feel better, though, is the sanctification or process that do like this. And do you know how you, enjoy, how you can identify a religious piece in a, church, a person in a church? Is when they judge somebody's salvation based on somebody's sanctification process. <laughs> I'm just, this has nothing to do with redemption. It just, it's just teaching for you. And then there are folks that do roller coaster all the way to heaven, right? They're like, whoo, whoo. I mean, they're just a mess. I mean, they get, they get on fire for the Lord and then they back up from the Lord and their flesh gets beat down and then they, they, get, they get delivered and then all of a sudden they have a struggle with another thing and they actually cuss out loud instead of their heart. No, I don't know nobody like that either, do we? No, right? So sanctification is a process pertaining to your testimony of salvation. And sanctification happens in desert places most of the time. It's just what Pastor Jim just said while ago. It's in the pain that all of a sudden change begins to happen. Sanctification. We don't talk about it a lot, but I'm going to tell you, sanctification will make you unstoppable. If you'll say, Lord, I want you to sanctify me and set me apart for your redemptive purposes. Sanctification is about testimony. So anyway, in this story... Uh, Moses goes and, and in this process he reads the scripture and the children of Israel knew God was up to something because of what had been passed down from Joseph their victorious leader when you are enslaved by something you always hold to the last promise that you heard or received these people had held on to a promise 
The promise is God's going to take us to the promised land. He's going to set us free and out there making bricks and they're mad and they're cussing. God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then somebody over here says, but you've got to remember the promise that Joseph said, God will visit us. He's going to visit us and set us free and take us to the land of Canaan. And this one said, I'm sorry. Oh, God, I can't wait for you to visit us and I welcome you. And then this one over here the next day is all griping. I can't believe we happen to be out here. And this one says, you need to practice what you preached to me yesterday. God said he would visit us. When you get in a struggle as a believer who's walking in sanctification, you need to remember whenever you think that you're far away from God, God may be moving closer to you, and you've got to hold to the promise of what God told you before instead of operating in the emotion and the feelings of your moment. Sanctification. So, anyway. So tonight I want to say to you and just talk for a few minutes that redemption is a, produce, a, a pursuit. Redemption is a pursuit. He, God redeems those who want Him so He cannot get them to heaven, but so He can redeem the purpose for which you were created. Redemption is a pursuit. He redeems those. Now listen. Salvation is full and free. It's a decision where you come and say, Lord, you are mine. Redemption. For you to be redeemed for the purpose of which God called you. Works set up before foundation of the earth for you to do. Not for Pastor Jim to do. You to do. Whoever you may be. Bill. It doesn't matter. Caleb. doesn't matter. Whenever you get saved and you're saved, and redemption is to be redeemed for a purpose. You get a coupon that's been paid for by a company, and you have to redeem it for the purpose. You can't take a, a Dick's Sporting Goods coupon to Kroger. It has to be redeemed for the purpose for which, and you've got to take that to the place. It's a pursuit. It doesn't just happen. Redemption to purpose is a pursuit. You say, I'm going to do and be what God called me to be. So, what happens here, <laughs> the pursuit of redemption is for those who want God to redeem the purpose for which they were created. There are folks who get saved and all they want to do is get to heaven. But God didn't put you on earth to get saved to go to heaven. God put you on earth to be redeemed for His purpose. And you've got to decide, I'm going to pursue it. Amen. <laughs> um, I know. I'm really excited about this, but anyway. Now those who, who get saved just to escape hell and make heaven sometimes never moving forward to go any further in the Lord. We know them. I've been there. Listen, I've been that person. I'm not pointing finger me. I just want to go to heaven. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to be responsible for anything. I don't want to be responsible for what God has in my life. In fact, I use my sin behind me to excuse my behavior for being in the purpose of the redemption of God. Then there are those who submit to the Holy Spirit in the process of sanctification because they want to be seen and known as a good Christian. But God keeps pushing because He didn't put you on earth to go to heaven. He didn't put you on earth just to be a good testimony. He put you on the earth for purpose. And purpose has to be pursued and redeemed. 
And then there are those who pursue the redemptive purposes of God, the plan of God in their, in their lives. These are people who say no to self and yes to God's purpose. And they say, whatever it's going to mean. That's a dangerous prayer now. Don't you say, God, I'm ready for I'm going to do everything you've called me to do. I want you to be. I'll go where you want me to go. Dear Lord, anybody ever sung that song? Oh, mountains or plains or sea, it is so old song. I used to come to the altar and I'd say, oh God, whatever you want of me, whatever you want me to do, wherever you, as a young man, I say, oh God, I want you to do it. He sends me to Houston. Seven, <laughs> seven million people. It's two and a half million people more than the whole state of Kentucky. When you hit the upper side of, of Houston, it's an hour and a half to get to my house in the south side of Houston. It's one of the most diverse cities in the, in the United States. Moses says to the children of Israel who are in slavery, God wants to take you to a better place. God wants to take you to a better place. He's going to set you free. But you're going to have to be willing to follow when it is time to move. Right? That's, that's just pulled down to what in Scripture. He says God wants to take you to a better place. There's a difference between getting your soul saved and having your life redeemed. Moses says to the Israelites, if you'll follow, if you'll listen, and if you'll walk out, you'll receive the promise and the purpose and destiny for which God made you. Or you can stay in bondage of whatever it is. And you can be a believer and be in bondage. Everybody okay tonight? Yes, sir. Sure can. Tangled all up with worries, fears, doubts, unbelief, attitude, all that stuff. You can't move to the purpose of God because you've got to decide, I'm going to follow, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to walk out of this to the purpose of God. Because redemption for purpose is a pursuit. It is not a decision. You can decide, I want to be the purpose of God. And then you, but you've got to get in the process. And then some leader comes along and tells you something you don't want to hear. Hello, hello, check. Because God's given apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist to bring works and help each one of us to know. I've got a pastor teach us to know how to move to a place of maturity and perform and be in the works of purpose for which God placed you. He's placed people in your life to help you get there. You want to go do it on your own. No, you can't. You've got to follow Moses. So, anyway. Children of Israel had been out three days. Now look, y'all know the story. They're in the children of they're they're in Egypt. They're in bondage, and all of a sudden the plagues start coming. Right? Everybody thinks, wonder why did God keep doing that? And Pharaoh say you're going. The Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. You remember that? I'm like, why? Why, why does God harden his heart? You know why? God was preparing Egypt to give restitution to the slaves. So after he had gotten them to a place of misery, the Egyptians, after they had messed with his kids, he got them to such a place they said, take it all, just get out of our country. Anyway, we're pursuing redemption. When you pursue redemption, it reverses past sins and failures but you've got to determine to get past your past. And you've got to make a pursuit of it. 
It releases you from past mistakes. Pursuing redemption restores your life abundantly. Pursuing redemption redeems your purpose. Pursuing redemption restitution will follow. Pursuing redemption rescues from the plan of the enemy. But you've got to decide, God, whatever you want me to do and whatever you want me to be, I want to submit to you to put to live out the works that you have ordained for my life, not for Pastor Jim, not for Angie, not for any of us. What you have for Dave Dearman, Lord, I want to fulfill your purpose. I don't want to just be a good testimony and a good Christian, but God, I want to fulfill why you put me on the earth. Well, that's a pursuit. It's a pursuit you've got to say, God, I'm willing to do. I'll step, I'll go, I'll do, I'll say, I'll, I'll place myself under leadership. I'll set myself under authority. God, I'll do whatever you've called me to do. Lord, I want to fulfill your redemptive purpose in my life because he didn't redeem you for your purpose. He redeemed you for his purpose. I'll, I'll go in the process if you'll make me a pastor. Well, don't, you better be careful what you ask about Okay, I'll redeem if you'll make me a wealthy CPA. That's what I believe, God, you're supposed to do. You can't tell God what your purpose is, right? That's like, that's like the slavery, the children of Israel say, well, I'll go, but seriously? So here's, now, now watch what happens. They get in that deal, Moses going, the plagues come, they're leaving. The children of Israel, now watch, the children of Israel had been out of Egypt three days and started thinking about going back. They said we had it better as slaves than for you to have brought us out here anyway. Can I say to you, you can stay behind and it is easier. And you can move forward and it will be tough and you will complain and it will be a struggle. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'd rather be free in pursuit of the purpose of God than I would want to be in slavery and just sitting and sitting there because they're going to bring me a hot dog when I need it. See, sometimes we begin the process... We come tonight when Caleb sings and begins to sing that song and we say, Lord, I want to pursue your redemptive purpose in my life. I'm saved. I, I, God, I've been trying to become more like you. But God, I'm coming tonight and I'm saying, I'll go where you want me to go. I, God, I want you to fulfill the purposes that are outlined in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For I am your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, Lord, that you've ordained beforehand for me to do, Lord, I come to submit to that process, I'm going to pursue that redemptive purpose. I promise you, when you make that decision, there's going to be something hit you that will make you go back to just sitting and soaking. <laughs> okay, I'm closing in a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard ding. <laughs> Listen, Jesus made atonement for our guilty verdicts and consciences. He paid back with penalties and interest what's been stolen from you. The children of Israel went from slavery to wealth overnight. And the ones that held them bondage gave it to them. Now I want you to hear me tonight. When you begin to pursue the redemptive purpose of God in your life, I don't care what you've done back here. It doesn't matter to me what the sin is here. It matters to people, but it doesn't matter to, to the Lord Whenever you've asked the Lord forgiveness and He's moved and covered it in the sea of forgiveness and you, forgetfulness, and you begin to move toward His purpose in your life, I promise you, I promise you, 
there's going to be all kinds of hell to pay when you do it. You're going to have people that come into your life tell you about whenever you weren't pursuing, oh, you're just trying to be a goody two-shoes. You're just trying to be a preacher. You're just trying to be all that. You're just trying to, and I promise you, you're going to have the Egyptians chasing you like crazy. Listen, they hadn't been out of there. They hadn't got out of there. And all of a sudden, they heard the hooves coming behind them, complaining the whole way. Moses, why did you even get us in this mess? And you'll say, God, why did you even get me into this mess? And you've got to remember that God works all things for good to them that love the Lord and call it according to his purpose. God's got you in his hand, man. And when you begin to pursue, I promise you, I promise you, when you begin to pursue the redemptive purpose of God in your life, and God sees that you've accepted his son, you've invited the Holy Spirit to be with you, you're under the authority of the word of God, and he sees his child that he created, and he has works and a plan for your life out there, and he sees that child come to him and say, oh God, I just want to do what you want me to do. I promise you. Your father moves on your behalf. He's, he's, he, wants to, he wants you to fulfill why he created you more than you want to fulfill why he created you. Oh, man. And you have all kinds of stuff come your way. You see, now listen. The children of Israel were thinking deliverance. But God was thinking redemption. The children of Israel were just trying to get out. And God was thinking, I'm taking you too. As a believer who just is trying to go to heaven and trying to get past COVID and not get it and whatever the culture of the world is, you've got to stop thinking deliverance. And you've got to start thinking pursue. Pursue. I'm going to go with the Lord. See, see the children of Israel just want to get out of the pain. God wanted to move to the redemptive purpose. If we can get God thinking in our brain, scripturally, it'll help us go. Now, God doesn't want you out of slavery. He wants you redeemed for purpose. God wants to redeem you to the purpose for which He's called you. Redemption passes to your children and your children's children. I promise you, whenever you get into the purpose of God and you're pursuing that, your kids will see that and it will pass down. They'll see my son, Bryce, whenever I was pastoring the church up in Bowling Green, he said, Dad... I'm going to take this church when you're too old to do it. He said, you got to give me about 15 years and I'll be ready. No joke. My nine-year-old son. I'm going to take this church. Well, then I left and went down there. And so Bryce, a few weeks ago, we were sitting there. He said, what am I going to do? You're not pastoring a church to pass to me. I'm going to pastor one day. When are you going to get a church so you can pass the church to me? I said, son, let me tell you something. It's not mine to pass to you. Oh, man. There's a moment of teaching my son, the next generation. I looked at him and I said, David Bryce Dearman, if you will pursue the purpose of God in your life and if you believe God's called you to pastor, He will open the door of right where He wants you to be and you can pass it to your son. He said, I got this, Dad. I mean, he was just saying, I'm just... Here's the deal. If we pass that to them, redemption passes on. Now look, just a side note, Exodus 13, 19, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. Moses didn't forget the promise of Joseph from way back, the oath he had made. It said when he left Egypt, he took his bones with him. In the pursuit of purpose, 
Many of you may be starting your own destiny of heritage and legacy. I pray that when you start that, it will pass to your children and you'll say to them, don't you bury me in sin. I'm going to live for the Lord and I want you after I die, take my bones with you. I want you to take the heritage of redemption with you. Carry it on, carry it on, carry it on. Keep it going, keep it going. So tonight, man, and Caleb, you can come on back. Redemption is a pursuit. Salvation is when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes and you are sitting there waiting and wondering, am I going to go to heaven or hell? What have I done with Jesus? Salvation is a decision that has eternal consequences. Sanctification is after you get saved and you hear a message and you say, I want to be more like Jesus. I want, to, I want to stop cussing. I want to be a light. Whatever. Redemption. Redemption is when you come to the Lord and say, Lord, I love you. I've accepted you. I'm growing to be like you. But I want to live out why you put me on the earth. I want you to redeem me. I want you to, what you paid for in me, I want you to work it out in me. I, I want to be the coupon that's taken to Kroger that is actually used instead of just throwing in the back seat of my car and never utilized. If it's never utilized, it's never paid, it never fulfills its purpose. But whenever you come to the Lord and say, Lord, I bring myself to you and I ask you to redeem me, I want to give myself to you and I want to pursue the purpose for why you play. Would you just lead me, God? Place me under pastors, evangelists, apostle, prophet, teachers, Lord. Place me under authority that will lead that in me. Bring people around me, Lord. Give me, order my steps to know I pursue you, God. I want to be what you call me to be. I don't want the works that you predestined me to be, that you've ordered for my life. I don't want any of them to go undone, Lord. I want to fulfill it there. It's a decision of pursuit. Let me close with one statement. And because I know in my own life, having led a large church, went through a failure, and I believe the only reason came back is because I had a pastor who believed in me and said, Dave, God's got a plan for you and it's not over. And I'd tell him, don't call me again. Leave me alone. I'm just happy. I don't want to do it. Just leave me alone. Moy Davis. Three guys called me every week. Said, Dave, God's got a plan for you. It's a purpose. I say, you guys just shut your mouth. Leave me alone. I'm done. I'm, I was in Myrtle Beach. I said, I'm just so happy. Just leave me alone. They said, call me the next week. Dave, man, God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. He's redeemed you for a purpose. And here I stand in Lebanon, Tennessee, and here's why I believe I stand here and why I'm in Houston, Texas. It's because there was something that cried out inside of me. That God, I'm sorry for what I've done, what past looks like, and I'm sorry for the pride that I had whenever I thought I knew what I was doing as a preacher. But I want you to have your way with me. I submit to the authority of my life because I, I don't. My heart deceives me, Lord. I don't even know. I don't even know what's right or wrong. The spirit of a man's a candle, Lord. Lord, I try to follow your spirit but I place myself under those that will help lead me, Lord. So I ask you to lead me. I want to be what you want me to be. 
can I say to you tonight, I promise you, the faster that you submit to the authority that you've placed yourself under, <laughs> the faster you'll rise to the purpose and destiny for which God's called you. God places people in our lives to help us. What we want to do is we want to say, well, I trust God, but I'm not going to do what anybody tells me. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're going to, you're going to paralyze and cut off the flow of what God wants to happen. Because God said, gave, gave people in our lives to help us become what God wants us to be. Whether they're leadership or people that aggravate the daylights out of you. Y'all got anybody to aggravate you? Come on, lift your hand here. Don't look at your neighbor left or right. Just lift your hand. Don't point to nobody. Just lift your hand. Right? They agitate us. And then we have those that are in authority. You, you don't know who's in authority over you until they tell you something you don't like. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm almost done. Same way in our homes, kids, they learn the pur their purpose because God's placed this in their lives. And that's what happened here. Moses comes along and said, Thus saith the Lord, this is what God told me. And he told the children of Israel, and they had a choice. Follow the leader that came in the time of God or not. And so in our lives, we do that. My invitation to you tonight is simply this. Saved, yes. I'm not here for a salvation call. If you don't know the Lord, it's as easy as admitting you're a sinner, believing in your heart Jesus died and rose from the dead and confessing your, Him as Lord of your life. And I would encourage you to do that. If you're a believer here tonight and you're having struggles in an area, you need to say, Lord, I want to walk through the process of sanctification. But the reason I came tonight and the word for this church is, who in this congregation is the Lord dealing with about pursuing His purpose in your life? And, and coming to him and saying, Lord, I'm going to pursue the redemptive process of you redeeming me for the cause for why you placed me here. And many in this room have done that. But for whoever it is tonight, whenever Caleb starts singing, I'm going to ask you to make a step and just come. You kneel, you can stand, doesn't matter. But I want you to respond to the word of the Lord tonight as Moses and Joseph teach us of how to come out of slavery into walking into freedom and becoming the promise of God, that you would just step out and come and say, Lord, I simply come tonight to submit to the redemptive process of fulfilling the purpose why you placed me here. For in your mother's womb, God had a plan for you and it was good and he has things prepared for you for you to do for his kingdom would you bow your heads all across this room Lord I pray tonight and I don't know who it is but in preparation of coming your calling is on this room just as Jim and Angela were sitting in the audience of Cornerstone Church, Lord, and you had a plan. It was way past being usher. It was way past serving, Lord. Your redemptive purpose for them were to be pastors in Lebanon, Tennessee, a place from where they've come. You've brought them back 
to bring the redemptive process of restoring purpose and destiny. So I pray right now, Lord, as Caleb begins to sing, those that are in this room that have sensed the drawing of your spirit to pursue your purpose in their life, that you would encourage them and help them to take a step of faith and walk the adventure with you. In Jesus' name, amen.